1: Welcome back to the show. This is episode 11 of Side Hustle Pro. And before we get into today's episode, I just wanna thank everyone who has reviewed, shared and subscribed to Side Hustle Pro. First of all, I read every single review and thank you for everyone who's gone through that complicated process to leave that review. I do not take it for granted. And I'm also really amazed you guys have worked magic. For the last few days, Side Hustle Pro has been in the top 30 in business on iTunes and the top 10 in marketing. Okay, so thank you so much. Please continue to share the show and have your friends review it as well. And also major shout out to last week's guest, Courtney Sanders, aka Think and Grow Chick, not only did she grace us with an awesome interview with so many nuggets of wisdom, but she also shared the episode, included it in her newsletter. So thank you, Courtney. I really appreciate the love. And also kudos to you for putting in your resignation letter earlier than you announced in the show. Um, she's done it, guys. She is officially going from side hustle to full-time entrepreneur. So clap it up for Courtney. Now, a few notes about tonight's episode. First of all, um big shout out to a family friend, Shenard for connecting me with this guest. Um, she'd always been on my radar. Her brand is amazing. What she's created is amazing. But I just didn't have the personal connection. So he reached out to me and let me know that this would be an awesome candidate for a guest on Side Hustle Pro. And I was, of course, receptive to it. Guys, I'm always receptive to recommendations. So if you have one, if you have a guest you think would make a perfect fit, just email me at hi at SideHustlePro.co. And then one other note about the episode. So there are a couple of moments in the episode where sound might cut out just a little bit, very briefly, but I thought it was such good content and so important to share that I wanted to leave it in its essence. And you know, you guys can definitely still hear and get the full essence of what's going on. So I didn't want to re-record it, but just wanted to give you a heads up about that. So without further ado, let's get into it. I am thrilled to introduce today's featured guest, Tiffany the Budget Nista Aliche. Tiffany is an award-winning teacher of financial empowerment and is quickly becoming America's favorite personal financial edu- educator. Since 2008, The Budget Nista has specialized in the delivery of financial education that includes seminars, workshops, curricula, and trainings. Tiffany is the best-selling author of the books The One Week Budget and Live Richer Challenge. And she and her financial advice have been featured on Good Morning America, The Today Show, Time, New York Times, Essence Magazine, Forbes, CBS Money Watch, and the list goes on. She also blogs about personal finance for the Huffington Post and US News and World Report. Welcome to the show, Tiffany. I know that was a mouthful, and that's me cutting your bio short.
2: So, Thank you, Nikki. I'm glad to be here.
1: Oh, great. So fill in the rest for us. Tell us more about your background and how you came to be so passionate about financial education.
2: Well, it really started at home. I was fortunate enough. I grew up in a household where money was talked about all the time. My father was a CFO and an accountant, and he and my mom taught my four sisters and I about money basically every day, just through daily interactions with it like when they went food shopping or they were making a financial choice we'd be in on that choice like i can remember my dad used to highlight the electric bill and put it on the dining room table and he would highlight how much it was and every month we could see the shift and if we saved money he would put money into like a travel account for us so we could go someplace and if we didn't save money we'd get an earful <laughs> so it just was part of natural life and you know, as a child, what you learn at home, you share outside of home. And so I started showing my friends, especially when I started college, basic financial tips i learned at home and my interest grew. So I took courses, read books, and before I knew it, I was the go-to person in my circle for personal finance. And it was just something I did, really as like a hobby to help my friends.
1: Mm -hmm. And
2: it wasn't until I lost my job in uh, 2009 during the recession that I started really thinking about doing it outside of just like a hobby and making it a career.
1: Oh, okay. And so before starting the budget, Nisa, you know, I I read and was looking at your website and all your videos about how you were a school teacher for 10 years. So tell us more about your own personal Mm -hmm. story from being the sound saver to making poor financial mistakes and, and eventually bouncing back.
2: So I was a school so I went to school for business and I had a number of internships that I all I hated them all and so I was nervous because I thought, oh God, I'm in my junior year it's too late to turn back. and so one thing I did like was I liked teaching because I had taught preschool. I mean I taught Sunday school and done some things on the side and then on campus I was an assistant teacher. It was kind of like um, my work study so I could pay for school. and I really enjoyed it and I thought, well, after graduation I'll graduate with my business degree, but maybe while I'm trying to figure out my life, I'll teach and maybe that's what I should do. And so at the time I did not, I was not certified to teach, so you could only teach preschool. So as I was waiting to get certified, it was like a nine months process. Um, I said, let me teach preschool and move on from there. But I ended up staying and never leaving and teaching preschool for about 10 years until my school closed. Um, but in that 10 years time, I mean, I'd, I had done a lot of financial things right, like. Had bought a house at 25, by then like $50,000 saved, even though I was only making a preschool teacher salary. I bought a car in cash. Um, I had just done everything right. My my credit score was like 802. And then about 26, 27, I thought, you know, I have all this money saved. I want to learn to invest. So I reached out to a air quotes a friend of mine to invest, and he promptly promptly got me mixed up with a credit card scam that left me $35,000 worth of debt.
1: Oh, my God. And
2: then, yeah. And so because it was the the scam was, I didn't know it was a scam, obviously, that he said, yes, you can invest, but you should invest with the the money from your credit card. So I didn't even, I had one that I used to pay off every month in full. So he had me open up to take the money off and invest it with him, which he promptly stole. And so here I was with this credit card debt, and I'd never had credit card debt before. And I thought, okay, well, it took me a while to even understand that he wasn't coming back because he, he would still call every week and be like, oh, you know, I'll transfer the money tomorrow. I'll transfer the money tomorrow. And it took me uh, nearly a year to realize, okay, this is not happening. I have to pay this credit card debt off myself. And then I promptly lost my job because just the school closed down. They, they It was a nonprofit-based school and they lost their funding.
1: Hmm.
2: And so here I was, $35,000 in credit card debt. I had my student loans, for my master's. I had my master's in education, which was like, Forty-five, fifty thousand dollars $50,000, and I had a home which was over $200,000. So I was over $350,000 in debt and no job. Um, and, and so I ended up losing my home to foreclosure. My 802 credit score dropped to 547. I moved back home at age 30 with my parents and stayed with them for like nine months and then moved in with my sister for like another nine months mm-hmm. and ended up having to rent a room for like two years, a room like... Like, this is where I live, in a room. I, I once had a full condo, took to myself, and now I'm living out of a room because rent was only $500, oh and that's what God. I could afford on, on my unemployment. How did you yeah, fight so your way I back? Just, so it took a while because it took me, for like almost two years, I did nothing. I just paid the bare minimum. I just kind of was like roaming around and because I could not conceive that I had lost that everything I'm like how I did all those things right I checked every good girl box go to school check get your masters check you know pay your tithes check you know um, save money check so I had done everything right so I couldn't even I had not made a mistake before so I didn't even know how you manage the emotion of making mistakes because up until my like mid to late 20s I had not made a financial mistake if I didn't even tell anyone because I was so ashamed because I figured I knew better And so I didn't even tell my father, who probably helped me get out of it sooner. I just suffered through it. It wasn't until I told a best friend of mine, because I'd been, like, sulking for, like, two years and, like, not going out, not seeing anyone, just being a hermit and basically living in, like, a depressive funk. Mm -hmm. And she was like, what is going on with you? And so I finally, like, broke down, started crying and told her everything. And she started laughing, which I didn't. See, what was so funny <laughs> <laughs> but she started right she started laughing because she was like girl that's it i thought you killed somebody <laughs> and you hiding out she was like because so you mean to tell me all this time it's because you messed up with money i don't know if you're in the real world tiffany everybody messes up with money it's just that i wasn't used to so i didn't realize that this is the life most people are living with mm. so i felt like it's only me i'm the only one And she was like girl join the club <laughs> and so because She, her lightheartedness about it, like allowed me to forgive myself because that's really what the problem was. I was not able to forgive myself the mistake, the mistake I made. And so, and then once I was able to forgive myself, I was able to see clearly that I knew what to do. I was raised in a a household that taught me what to do every day. And so slowly but surely, I started digging my way out. But by one, you know, one of the things, you know, I was doing currently was living really simply, um, like really like my my unemployment was not even half of what I was taking home as a preschool teacher, but I was living beneath that. Um, I stopped paying my mortgage. I, you know, I had to tell my, my, my mortgage company, look, I don't have it, so I could pay the other bills I had on time and pay the minimum on everything. I was working like kind of like odd jobs, mm-hmm. and, and I was volunteering places, just trying to figure out what was my next move, and it was through volunteering that I realized I did still like teaching, but I really like teaching financial education, because I found myself... Teaching financial education for different nonprofits in my city, and people were loving it. And I started asking those nonprofits, you know, would they consider paying me? And they did. And I started doing one-on-ones. It wasn't a whole lot of money. It took maybe like a year and a half to even make like a thousand dollars consistently a month. Okay. Um, but the the word got out because I started using social media. Mix- with me being in the community every day. Uh-huh. And slowly but surely, um, the brand started to go People started to pay me more for what I was doing.
1: Okay. So you, you started realizing as you were working your way back from your own financial mistakes that, hey, I, I love teaching and you're teaching what you're learning through the process.
2: Yes. And so that was critical because at first I thought, that the mistakes were gonna hold me back. But then I realized that it was through transparency that my brand really started to grow because people are no longer looking for the guru, they're looking for the girlfriend. Right, that's They so, don't wanna hear so about the person who was like, you know, right. so when I was able to say, you know, like when someone came to me and they were like whispering, so I lost my house. I'm like, girl, me too, last year. <laughs> and they were like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then I'm like, well, this is what I did. And this is how all of a sudden people relaxed around me. And they were like, oh, Tiffany is not perfect. As a matter of fact, she's really messed up, but she's fixed it. And she's showing me from a place of one, she gets in and understands how I feel. Two, she's done it. She's not just saying it. She's literally lived this. And so she knows like what, what I'm going through and exactly what I need to do. That's so. And true. so, the more like, transparent yeah. I was
1: about it, the yeah, the more my brand grew. That's so true. Like I, I don't want to learn from someone who's a perfect financial person because Lord knows I'm not. You know, <laughs> I need someone to not judge me, and and that's really one thing I appreciate about you is you don't judge. You are here to just say, hey, let's start with where you are and pick it up from there. So, when did you make the decision to take the budget Nista And to create the budget Nista and begin packaging and selling your financial wisdom.
2: Well, I when I was still teaching preschool, I knew that the budget Nista name was given to me by my little sister. And I had it kind of in my mind that, like, you know, I really like showing the parents at my preschool how to manage money. And I I think I'd like to do this, but I was very comfortable where I was. So although I had in my mind, I had not made any real movement toward doing anything with the budget Nista um, and so I didn't really start thinking about doing the budget full time or start doing the budget Nista full time until 2011. So I lost my job in 2009. Mm-hmm. And so for two years, I was really developing what did being the budget Nista mean, you know, and I developed that through giving away my services. Quite honestly, I, mm-hmm. I would, um, do one-on-ones, I uh, would teach classes and start to develop what my signature services were. And in 2011, I also, so um released my book. I had a book um, t- in 2009, but I had not I had not published it. And between 2009 and 2011, I, I tried to get it published traditionally, but nobody cared. And oh, so I heard no. about self-publishing. It was just... <laughs> no, but that's the best, because just the other day, a, a major publisher reached out to me, and we were talking numbers, and she was, was like, honestly, you should just keep self-publishing, because we can't even... There's just no... We, we can't even pay you that. Wow. I'm like, I know. I make... 70, i make 70 percent that's of my awesome yeah and we're gonna you talk know, I'd be a, be a little lucky, bit more about yeah
0: right. i'd
2: be lucky yeah to make like 30 percent with it and that's if you're lucky and you're famous mm. so yeah that's awesome so, but yeah so i would say 2011 thank you the 2011 i made the full leap and i said okay i'm making enough to support myself um and do this full-time. Because up until then, I was still babysitting. I was still tutoring on the side. And I said, you know, I think my life at the time cost me maybe like less than $1,500, maybe $1,200 a month. Mm-hmm. And I was making between 1000 to $1,500 a month. And I was like, okay, I can do this full-time now. I mean, I wasn't making a whole lot,
1: but I was living there very, very simply. Okay. And so, yeah, when I first saw that you were doing stuff for free, I'm like, but what about... <laughs> your bills. (laughs) So how did you financially prepare for this? Were you stacking away a certain amount before you're like, okay, I'm never going to look for a traditional full-time job again? Were you earning a certain amount per paid contract before you've made that decision?
2: Well, the decision was made for me. I didn't have a job. So honestly, it was was two years of unemployment that I was living off of. And in 2011, I had to make a choice whether Mm -hmm. I was going to go look for a job. Mm -hmm. Now that my unemployment is running out. Or I have to somehow make this work. So I looked at my bills and I said, okay, Tiffany, you need to make $1,200 a month in order to not be homeless and hungry. Can we do that? And so I got my first contract with the United Way. And that's basically kind of what they, I think they were paying me basically between like $800 to $1,000 a month. And then, but then I would also do these like one-off speaking engagements that would pay me $500 here, $200 there. And I worked like darn here every day, like, you know, a hundred, there was a hundred dollars that somebody would pay me, but I did everything mm-hmm. and I was able to scrape in about a $1, thousand $1,500 a month. And, um, I wasn't saving anything cause I, you know, I was making just enough to pay my bills and, and be myself. Okay.
1: Um, so yeah, no, yeah, it wasn't, it was not an easy process. because I definitely was super broke. Right. And, and was the book out at this time? And, and was that giving you some like uh passive income or that was still kind of in the, the book- development? Yeah, the book was out, but
2: I didn't know anything about marketing yet. I had gone to school for marketing, but I put the book out. I had all my friends buy it the first month, and I was like, woohoo! I think I made like $1,000 <laughs> or something the first month. And I just knew this is what it's going to be. The second month, I think the first month I sold 100 books. The second month, I literally sold two. The third month, zero. The fourth oh. month, zero. And I was like, wait, what is happening? I put the book out. I thought if you build it, they will come. That's a lie. And so, and then I started reading everything I can get my hands on. I literally Googled how to market a book Mm -hmm. and I read everything I can get my hands on, read every marketing book you can think of. And I tried everything. So, So the book was like, you know, do this. I would do it for a few months and see what happened. And slowly but surely it started to sell a little bit more, but really not much, maybe 10, 15 books a month. So it wasn't really generating me any income until I met this man almost two years after the book launch in 2012. And I was telling him, or 2013. And I was telling him, you know, my book is not really doing that great. Um, I don't know what to do. Like, you know, it's, it's been nearly two years since it's been out and two years is the marker of when books start to die. I'm like, my my book died when it was, when it was born. Uh And he told me, um, something, something that changed everything. He said, like I was building my audience, all that kind of stuff. And he said, um, that how did your book for it and so the physical book was 15 and he said how much is your kindle book and i said it's eight dollars he said that's too much i said no that's like it's the same book for half the price that's not too much he said you're not famous tiffany nobody cares no one's buying an eight dollar kindle book (laughs) and then he told me to do this he said right he said but research go in your category and research the top 10 in your category and see their prices and so i did and none of them were over five dollars none of them Mm. and i was like whoa okay He said, you see the top 10 in your category and no one's selling over $5. Why are you? And he said, if you don't believe me, drop the price for a week, just for one week to under $5 and just see what happens. And I said, okay, fine. I dropped it. I went online. By then my my social media following was starting to grow. So I went online and said, hey, my book is usually 15 bucks. The Kindle version, the digital version is available for $4.99 just for a week. And the next week my book hit number one in my category.
1: Wow. And it has
2: never dipped. And since then, it has never dipped below 10. And
1: this is the one-week
2: budget? Yeah, the one-week budget. And all of a sudden now, hey, this was viable income for me. And so it taught me a few lessons. One, pricing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Two, it taught me like listening and that I don't know it all. And second, I don't know hardly anything. And so I'm always really open to suggestions. And I was just like, wow, wow, wow. Okay. And so So, yeah, now the book, I mean, I can make upwards of $20,000 in a month on just books alone. That is
1: awesome. You know? Yeah. So, what about, you know, moving away from books for a second? What were some of the first steps you took to start taking the Budget Nisa from idea to brand? You've mentioned your social media a few times. Uh, Yeah, what was Mm -hmm. your first step? Website, trademarking? So the first thing I did was
2: um, I did trademark the Budget Nisa maybe two years after. I didn't even want to, but a friend of mine said it's a catchy name. You should trademark it in case someone takes it. And mm-hmm. I was like, who's going to want the Budget Nisa? I don't have $275. And he was like, he like forced me. I had to use my credit card kicking and screaming. I'm so glad <laughs> I did because like a few a few years later, I have Google alerts on my name, the Budget Nisa, okay. And it came up in my Google alert, like an email saying, hey, your name, the name of the budgetista, is, is appearing on Wells Fargo today. I got excited because I was like, oh my God, Wells Fargo is recognizing me. Yes. And it was this page that said, ask the budgetista, do you have a question? And there was a little Asian girl. She was cute, but that wasn't me. <laughs> and I was like, wait a minute. How in the hell? They took my name. And within 24 hours, it was gone. Like That's I was awesome. going to like go. I didn't even know what to do. Yeah. Somebody must have done their research afterwards and realized, oops, this is already, um, this is trademarked. Mm-hmm. So that was good. So I'm so glad I trademarked my name. Okay. But, but you didn't do that, thing that right do away. And that I do, that not no, but you should. Yeah. Like, if you have a unique name, mm-hmm. like, because that could have gone so wrong. I was already deep into brand. Yeah. What if I didn't trademark it? How could I fight Wells, fight Wells Fargo? They have yeah. way more money than me. Yeah. And I would have happened to relinquish something that I built so, I worked so hard to build, you know?
1: Yeah. So how did you go so about it? definitely, trademarking? like,
2: I did it myself because I didn't have any money to pay anybody. Um. So I went to, like, I... Google's had a trademark. The U.S. government has a website, site and I just follow the directions, and I got it wrong. But the U.S. <laughs> government also assigned you a lawyer. They're like they'll send you some paperwork that will tell you like you've been trademarked or like there's there's an error. And somewhere in that paperwork, which I was not good at reading, it wasn't until my lawyer friend was like, "Girl, you don't need to hire anybody. There's a lawyer in here," and I was <laughs> like, oh. "Some guy named." Mike. <laughs> so I called him and he was like, yes, you just forgot to submit um, proof that you use this name. And so I just had to submit like a flyer and like a, my book cover, a okay. PDF of my book cover and and it was accepted. And so since then I realized you, when you trademark, I had to trademark the, the logo as well as the business name. Mm-hmm. Got it. I ended up trademarking the logo later. You have to, yeah. So like if your logo is your business name, you don't need to trademark both, but my logo is like a dollar sign B And so I had to trade. I want to trademark Brooks so somebody wouldn't use it.
1: Ah, okay.
2: But yeah. So what what were
1: the the real first steps you took? The real first steps
2: that I took were one, to start volunteering my time and efforts. Because a lot of people will tell you, don't do stuff for free. That's a terrible But I'm, I'm like, girl, you're not even worthy to be paid yet. I sucked in the beginning. So look, if I sucked and I came to your church and I was terrible, oh well, you get what you pay
1: for. You know? I'm so glad you right? said that <laughs> because nowadays <laughs> there's all this pressure to monetize, and you have people out here taking courses. They're actually courses, you know, on how to how to monetize, how to build your first course, and so there are lots of faux experts making these courses and selling them, and it's like, girl, yes. <laughs>
2: What are you doing? It was I mean, honestly, you don't even like even my book, the reason why the one week budget does so well, like this book is old and it gets it only sells more years. Like it's unheard of after two years for a book to continue and consistently sell the way I'm selling and it keeps growing. Like I've had friends who've had books that started off as number one, Amazon Total like best-selling books on um New York Times and, and that's great, but my book is my cash cow. It does not quit. Mm. Like their book will have heat, and if you look now, you can't find them on the list. My book does not fall below number ten. It consistently is a hardcore seller, and the reason why is because I didn't put out the book until I had literally helped hundreds and hundreds of people, and then use what I learned from giving my services away for free to develop. A, a system that really worked. And so that's what you're doing. People keep thinking just because you're not paid in money means you're not being compensated. That's not so. So you have to be know that never do anything without compensation. I didn't say compensation had to be money. Compensation might be the name. American Express, when I first um, started speaking, a friend of mine worked there and got me to speak on a panel there. But I was able to take a picture outside, new clients, what? They had to pay for them to be a client. I asked permission to be able to, you know, because, and so that was my compensation because that alerted other companies we can hire Tiffany, right? So that's one way you can get compensation, the name of the company and being able to post that you're working or you're working with them. Another way to get compensation is practice. So many times like you know what I did every little church every little backyard function I was in people's basements practicing like oh this works that works you know this didn't work this delivery works and so I practiced over and over and over by giving my services away for free but in 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 exchange for that I got to hone my skills so many comedians do this like Chris Rock will go to a small little hole in the wall club in New York and practice his new material before he hits that stage on HBO he does it all the time a lot of comedians do so so it's critical if they're doing it this is a man who's a multi-million dollar earner and he's like well let me let me practice my material there's nothing wrong with practicing your material the compensation is being able to see does this work why should you work it out on the hbo stage because you're not going to get a second chance to make that impression when it when it really counts you know mm-hmm. facebook was just really finally past just the stage where it was just college students and opening up to other people
1: mm-hmm.
2: and so but i used to post the tip of the day on facebook and then i changed my name this was critical but since then facebook has forced me to change my name back but i changed my name on facebook from tiffany O'Chay to tiffany the budget nista so that meant every time i commented every time i liked every time i did anything on facebook i was marketing to you that i'm, I'm the budget nista
1: mm-hmm.
2: and so it was so that that transformed I me mean, if you get a chance. You know, like changing your name and adding your business name to your name. I mean, Facebook, when they find you out, they make you change it because haters will going to hate. Because <laughs> the only they find out is somebody reports you. For real, somebody has to report you because how does Facebook know my name is not the budget needs to Right. But I guess someone reported me out of hate, which is fine because, you know, I'm good now. But, um, but that helps significantly. And in the beginning, no one cared about the post. I would post stuff like, you know. Here's ways to save money. Or I got this shirt for $5. And for like, like six months to eight months, nobody even liked or commented. And then, like after that, a few people would like or comment, and it started to grow and grow and grow. But what I was doing is I was establishing via social media that I was an expert. And also, what I used to do, and you can't do this now on Facebook, but back then, I would make it my business to send out uh, 50 to 100 uh, friendship requests a day. Like, it was literally on my list, like, okay, it's 9 o'clock in the morning. Let me me send out my friend request. Mm -hmm. And so I would go to, like, you know, your page, Nikki, and I would say, let me look through. You would accept me. Then I would look through your friends list for people who had, like, headshots or looked at important. And I would send them friend friend requests. (laughs) (laughs) Because what I wanted was that. Because this is why. Because there was no Facebook page or Facebook group. Because what I thought to myself is is when I post my tip of the day, I want these people who look important to possibly see it.
1: Hmm.
2: And so that's what started happening is that like now I have like, you know, 5,000 friends. I'm like, I have too many now. <laughs> but but at the time I was soft marketing because I wanted that by the time you met me in person for the last year or so, you already were following what I was doing. You've already seen my tips. You would already see that I posted whatever I I spoke anywhere. I don't care if it was a Girl Scout troop. I would post a picture explaining what I was doing so I could show you I'm out here doing what I want you to hire me for. And that helped significantly. And most people are not willing to do the work required to do all that. But to me, I don't do that as much now because it's not necessary. But when you first start out, you have to... Social media it is your living, breathing resume. It is you before you walk into that room. That person should already know what you're about before you meet them. And social media, you could train people to think about you the way you want them to think about you. I can make people think I'm a Martian that lives on a purple planet by only posting purple planet pictures <laughs> you know so i if all if all i posted was so,
1: financial advice and me speaking at financial summits and this and that that's what people believe about right right and i'm sure you know one of my friends who is a uh, personal fitness uh, brand talks about that like there are people who didn't even know when she was side hustling that she what her real job was because that's all they saw on her social media pages um so talk about how you know, your posting and your social media brand helped you to narrow in, though, on your, your target audience.
2: So what happened was that as I was posting, 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 I noticed that people who were responding was not everybody. It was m- mostly women of color.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And then Facebook pages came out or people yeah, pages came out and then you were able to see, OK, yes, it's mostly women ages 25 to 45. The core number being uh, really um, 30 to 35. And I could see the pictures, women of color, women of color, women of color. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, it's very clear. a group helped me to see the analytics behind the scene, helped me to really see, Tiffany, you're talking to everyone, but these are the people who are listening. Mm-hmm. Stop talking to everyone. So I stopped talking to everyone and start speaking to women, especially women of color. Mm-hmm. And then my, my brand grew even more once women of color realized I'm speaking directly to you.
1: Got it. And so what inspired you to create your first program, The Live? Richard challenge. I mean, the movement you've built is incredible. Yeah. You have what over a thousand women are doing the live, the live Richard challenge worldwide. No, over 200,000. Oh my goodness. That's crazy. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. How, so yeah how over you...
2: 200,000. So it started because I was doing, um, I got the contract with the United Way and the contract was that I did a six week course that I'd written. Be, um, so just know this nor none of your past experiences are wasted. So the fact that I knew how to write a curriculum, I got my my master's in education. I thought I was going to be a principal, but I was able to use that master's to write curriculum and lesson plans as a budgetista. And I knew how to teach because I was a teacher for over 10 years. And so I put all those things together. I wrote a curriculum for the United Way. And as a result, I started teaching the six week series. So every, every Two months, I would start a new cohort, a new group of people would take my six-week series, and I would post doing my six-week series, and I would post pictures during the class, after the class, before the class. And so women, as my brand started to grow online, women who did not live in New Jersey, where I was teaching it, started asking, I want to take the course too. And so I thought, well, how, unless you're going to hire me to come out. So at first, that's what I do. I tried to get people to hire me to come out, but most of these were like individual women. They didn't have the money to fly me out to teach. So I thought, well, how can I bring it online? And so I took my six week series, I condensed it, and I made it into an online financial challenge where you sign up and then every day for about a period of a month, you get a financial tip in your inbox that brings you closer to, well, teaches you how to budget, how to save, get out of debt, fix your credit, begin investing, adjust your insurance, all of that for free. And um, my thinking was that like the United Way sponsored me to do my classes in person. And so I offered the classes for free. So I thought I'll get sponsors for the challenge. and I offer the challenge for free. So I ended up not getting sponsors because apparently financial in- institutions, especially back then, they were not interested in helping women of color, quite honestly.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, you know, when they heard the numbers, they were excited and they saw the pictures. They weren't. But it boo-boo for them, and that was stupidness on their part, quite honestly. It makes me angry when I think about that. Mm-hmm. The only brand that believed was Prudential. They came in at the tail end, and they gave me a little bit of money. But mostly, I did the challenge. It cost me, like, over $10,000. I don't know where I got the money from because I wasn't making a lot of money then, but I paid and, and created it myself. Um, and um, it was very disappointing that people didn't, didn't want to help
1: women that look
2: like me so I did it why did it
1: it cost so much early on like what what was the investment what if it was all kind of a online course or yeah but everything
2: costs. I mean like
1: the the logos the website
2: costs, the like the the email um system that you have to use every single thing costs you know and I had to get help I had like an assistant um so it It seems like, you know, like it seems so like easy breezy, but no, it was literally one of the hardest projects I have ever put together. There were like sleepless nights and 15 hour days over and over consistently. It took me nearly a year to build it. And then on top of that, just building the platform itself to make it seem so seamless and easy. On top of that, you know, I also had to, you know, write all of the curriculum and the messaging and we had videos and I had to get a video guide. It was a lot of work and a lot money um but I still offered it for free because I said you know women of color are being ignored Mm -hmm. and so I'm going to I'm going to help and so the first year we didn't make any money it was just this free program um my goal was 10,000 women by the end of the year when when we started we got to 10,000 which just a marketing piece like that alone I mean I don't even know why I chose 10,000 I thought it was gonna be so easy I'm like oh I've got 10,000 Twitter followers this will be easy it's free you're right (laughs) It was so much to work. You have no idea to get women signed up for this free thing. What? It took like, it took, we, we launched it in like June. Yeah. And we got 10,000 like the first week of January. When we were actually launched.
1: How did you spread the word? And then by the end of, of the year, the we had
2: 20,000. 20- oh, okay. How'd you so, spread, spread you the think, word? Yeah. So we, um, one of the things that I did was obviously post on social media like, hey, the challenge is coming. So before the challenge even launched as far as registration, I posted, hey, you guys have been asked me about these classes Um, i'm creating a a free platform to deliver the information to you would you be interested in that and so that initial like i didn't even have anything post if you're interested like you know um sign up here it was like a um event right link and so i think like 2,000 or no 500 people signed up and i was like woohoo we're on our way slowly but surely we started collecting names by just posting hey i'm doing this free thing are you interested in learning more Um, And then I I, the first when we got to a thousand women of just posting, like I created these boxes, um, like almost like it looks like a meme almost on a website called Canva, Mm. C-A-N-V-A. So I created them just saying like, hey, it's coming. Hey, it's coming. Um, And then when we got to a thousand women, I reached out. I emailed those thousand women and said, who would like to be a live richer leader? And so a live richer leader is someone who you would gather your friends to do the challenge with you because the challenge happens in January. And so about 100 women signed up to be Live Your leaders, and then they went out into their respective communities wherever they lived and signed up women. So that helped significantly a lot, too.
0: I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me.
1: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, and when we keep them bottled up, it affects us negatively. I have found that therapy has been a safe space to get things off my chest. I had my daughter last August, and by January, I hit up my therapist like, let's go ahead and set up this monthly session. Therapy has been so helpful for me in setting boundaries and it just empowers me to be the best version of myself. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, this is your sign to go ahead and do it and give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash HustlePro today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash HustlePro. And slowly but surely, really
2: it was just about posting every day about the challenge in unique ways so people would sign up. And so I would post, like for example, a post that would work would be like, we now have 1,500 women. Because, you know, people like to go where it's already safe. It's like, oh, well, 1,500 women, it can't be a scam. Mm-hmm. And so whenever we hit a milestone, I would put the number up. The Live Richer leaders, I gave them, like, um, I made them uh, um, avatars where it was, like, their picture. And it said, I'm a Live Richer leader. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm learning how to master my money. Um, join me here in the, in the link in the, in the little box that we had to make for them. And they would post it and make it their profile picture. Mm-hmm. So then women, a true leader understands that p- people are not following you following people who are following you.
1: Mm. You
2: see what I mean? Like, for example, Nikki, like you're, you're, you're the women in your life. If they sign up from the challenge, it would be because you said so, not because I said so. Mm. And so I had, I learned that. And a lot of people don't get that. That like, that you think that you're, you're building this whole thing by yourself. Yeah. But you're really not. It's really, you know, it's really critical to get those first early adopters really on board and then activate them to go into their, Respective networks and bring people, because yeah, people don't follow that lead. I'm telling people who are doing stuff now, they're not doing it because of me. They're doing it because somebody they trusted told them about me.
1: Wow, that's a major, so, major yeah. key, major insight. Yes, and so and were you concerned about making it free? What about you know how how are you going to make money after you invested all of that into it?
2: Honestly, I had no plan for that. I just knew, like, I was shocked I didn't get my into my um. My uh, sponsorship because I had white counterparts, quite you know, to be quite honest, who had way less of a following, way less people signed up. And I thought, oh, well, you know, maybe because we only have 500, when we get to 2,000, no. no, when we get to 5,000, no, when we get to 10,000, no. Then I realized, oh, <laughs> because I just assumed like my money, I'm gonna get money back because people are gonna sponsor. Who doesn't wanna sponsor? Mm. How can you be a financial brand and you don't wanna speak to 10,000 women who? are looking for financial help. I mean, it's like a no-brainer. Hello. Like, you don't have to sell anything to them because they're here for financial advice. You could just say, hey, I've got a book or this or whatever. I've got a bank account. And the brands were interested. And I was honestly devastated. I was like, wow. But you know what? I said, you know what? We're going to do it again next year. And so this is the second year. 2016 is the second year. But this time, a friend of mine was like, do you know about affiliate links? I'm like, well, what's that? And he was like, you know, whenever... All these products and services that you suggest during the Live Richard challenge, some people will pay you. Some of those companies will pay you if someone signs up. Mm-hmm. And I was like, really, I didn't know because there were, you know, there were all of these services I would suggest that I thought were good that I use, and I didn't know that they had. You could go to their website and sign up to be an affiliate. They would give you a special link. So, like, let's just say for example, it was like a bank account. And instead of like, you know, wellsfargo.com, it could be Wells Fargo forward slash The Budget That's my link. And when you clicked on it and if you sign up for a bank account that I suggested, I might make 10 bucks. The same bank account I was always suggesting, but I was sending people to them for free. And once I realized that I was able to implement that in this, this year that we've just done the second live with challenge. It's still running. Um, we do it collectively in January and then I automate it for the rest of the year. So people can sign up whenever they want. Okay. And so, so imagine, so in January, my blog had about 300,000 visitors, 300,000 people wow. going through the challenge. Yes, yeah, Clicking on affiliate links. So you see, I was able to make money that way. And then <laughs> two, the, I will say this the first time, the first challenge, I will say that I did make money in the book sales because there were women who were like, um, I didn't realize until later that they were like, hey, I don't necessarily want to go online and read the challenge on the blog. Can you put it together in a book? So I did this. Well, who's going to buy the book? It's free. And so I remember like really, really stressing that like, hey, y'all, this is free online, but I will put together a book because you have ask. <laughs> and the book I think that book hit number one on Amazon as well, too. Wow. Yep, it did. And so that book has done really well. And so I learned in um, the first challenge and um, really the second challenge, what I did is at the end of each um, at the end of each task. So every day you get a task and at the end it says, hey, if you're the type of person that likes to read this in book form, here's the book. So every day for a month the book, that's the only place I advertise the book. And the books, like I said, like, you know, I just got a $10,000 check from Amazon just, just on the 29th, every 29th is when you get paid from mm-hmm. Amazon. So mm-hmm. I just, you know, got a $10,000 check from book sales from books. So I don't even, I don't even push outside of yeah. that automated challenge.
1: That's awesome. And, and I, so I, I love that how that transparent you are too. Yeah.
2: No, no, thank you. Well, I try to be, because I, I feel like this, like you don't want anybody to be, But I caught you. So I always am honest and transparent with my with my dream catchers. We have a name like Beyonce has a beehive. We're the dream catchers. Yes. And they name themselves that. And so that's another critical thing, too, like creating your own following and and giving them a name or helping them find a name because it helps them connect it. But, yeah, no, I'm always telling them that, like, you know, you don't have to buy this. I always tell them this. You don't have to spend money with me to get help. Mm hmm. But a a lot of times, you know, they want to. And so but I at least want them to know that's not why I'm here, that my first and foremost, my intention in every business meeting I start, I always start with just to be clear, my intention is to help women live better lives. That comes first and foremost,
1: everything else, including the money, comes second, because money will always come if you do right by people. Amen to that. And you're right. Like people, I will invest my dollar in you because I trust where it's going. And I trust that you have a proven system because you are the testament. You've shown how you've used this system to come back from the brink of, you know, financial despair. So that I love the fact that you emphasize that. So two questions I have, as you were speaking, you talk about how brands were not interested have you reached a point now where you would even want sponsorship for a brand or, or are you just going to continue to do the affiliate links kind of approach?
2: No. So we can brands brand obviously now, cause you know, you're okay. not going to have 200,000 people. So brands come now, but honestly I'm in the power. I had a brand come to me, a huge brand that I would have worked for free. Mm-hmm. I would have paid them to work for, yeah. for them come to me like, you know, a few months ago they wanted to work with me, but the price they gave me, was ridiculous and insulting, so I ignored them. Mm. And it took them three weeks of like emailing me back to back to back to back. Hey, Tiffany, hey, did you, did you get my, did you get a proposal? I said, yeah, but this can't, you couldn't be serious with this, that's why I didn't respond. Maybe you had the wrong person. <laughs> because, for real, I was like, this has even making any sense. Like, I don't, I mean, $500 a month right. to do like $20,000 a month worth of work? Like, get out of here, people make more babysitting. Yeah. Like, what am I, five, you know? And I was right. just said no. And so they, they were like, I know, it's just that. I said, no, I had to set, I'm sure, I said, quite honestly, see, i built this without any brand help. And what I know about my audience is this, and this is what I told them, that they do not care what brands support me. That's obvious because you mm-hmm. have not supported me, mm-hmm. right? No one says, the reason why I'm rocking with the budget is because this large brand is supportive of Tiffany. They don't say that. They don't care what brands support me, but they do care what brands I support. Mm-hmm. Now they're using you because I said you were a good thing. So the power is not in your hand. I don't need that brand. I don't need your $500. Girl, bye. And I told them, I said, "No, that like, so if you want to work with me, one, you have to to prove to me that you are here to help women live better lives. So that's one. Two, if you want access to women who move, I mean like the other day I posted in a group. I think I want to do a t-shirt. Y'all want a t-shirt? If you want a t-shirt, let me know below. 5,000 people said, I want a t-shirt. Wow. That's $5,000. Let's just say I sell the t-shirt for $10, no, for $20, and my take is 10 bucks. That's $50,000 right there. $50,000 was one post in, the, in my Facebook group, mm-hmm. right? Or, or the other day, I went live because the women in the group, there were like some issues with the rules, and some people just didn't get like, you know, the purpose of our group. So mm-hmm. I went live to talk to them, and honestly, I chastised them a little bit like, look, we're not going to be mean to this group. This is not a mean girl group. Let's be nice. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to like the positivity where we had before. 30,000 people watched. 30,000. Wow. So, you, you think you're going to pay me $500 a month to have access to when I speak, they listen, when I say this is a good thing, they believe and they move. Why would I? Are you kidding? No. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. So, it ended up, yeah, it ended up not working out because honestly, I don't need brands and I don't need brand money. It's very, it feels really good to know. So, I mean, I do work with some brands, but only when it's in alignment. Yeah. I don't have to say yes. I've said no way more times than i said yes, because it's more important for me to do right by the women that trust me than you then take your money. Because there's so many ways to make money. That's one thing I've learned that when you have influence and trust, there's so many ways to make money that are in alignment with the people that you're helping that you don't have to, I don't have to compromise my integrity. to, to, to work with brands. And so, yeah, I mean, we get a lot of offers and stuff, but mm-hmm. mostly
1: I say no. That's-
2: and sometimes I work with a brand for free. That's, uh, that's you know, a show. I think a brand
1: is Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not, <laughs> no, I was just gonna say that's such an empowering and beautiful position to be in because I think a lot of times as um small businesses and, and entrepreneurs just starting out, we we are chasing brands. We think that's what we need to mm-hmm. be validated, that's what we need to be successful. So to emphasize just how much you focus on your content and your community and organically grew that to a place where you don't need brands that That's a beautiful message to share.
2: Yeah. And I wish I knew, believe me, it wasn't something that I, you know, I didn't come out the gate thinking that. I mean, just like every entrepreneur, I thought if I can get on board with brands, there's so much money there. The truth of the matter is like, there's more money in your community than your brand. Unless the brand is paying you. Like I'll tell you like the average contract, like for my, for when I work with brands is, uh, I want to say on average, probably for like $15,000 to do maybe like a blog post, a speaking engagement, something like that. So Mm -hmm. it's not like, so you might get, you know, two or three contracts a year. But, you know, our business brings in over half a million dollars a year. That's not, so brand money is not what's driving the budget. It's not really what's driving, you know, so I don't, it doesn't sense to chase after something that doesn't even account for like 20% of what we bring in. It's really the community that brings in the income. So that's where my energy goes to making sure that they're good. And so, yeah, I would say this to a new entrepreneur: is it is it less time for a brand to just pay you a lump sum of money for you to, to do whatever? Sure, but it's more lasting if you work on your community and you build your influence and you make your money there. Because one brand can leave you and go with somebody who's younger and cuter or whatever, and you're like, "Darn it, I lost all that money." But one community member leaves you, and it doesn't mean you lost anything. You you can gain another. So yeah, I I prefer instead I for my power to come from the people and not from the powers that be.
1: Got it. And speaking of community, that leads me to the second question that I had, as you were speaking, you have built a really large Facebook community, Uh, not, not just your page, but the Facebook group itself. Um, I'm a member of several Facebook groups and now I'm a member of the live richer challenge Dreamcatchers group too. And uh, I, I've not, I've never seen, I, I don't think I've seen a group that big and that, um, valuable <laughs> of all the groups that I've been in. So how did you build that community?
2: So one is in the beginning, the Facebook group really started, and me, intention is everything. So the Facebook group started really specifically for the people who were taking my class at the United Way. Mm-hmm. I was like, instead of emailing me, let's form a private group where if you have questions, you can ask it here in a safe environment and I'll answer them. So that's how it started. So for, for years, it was just like 50 people. And then, as the challenge launched, I don't know how they found it. I guess because, I, honestly, I don't know how they found it. <laughs> they started adding themselves to the group. And I'm like, who are these people? They weren't in my class. And, and they would just be like, no, we came from the challenge. And I was like, well, how did you find that? Y'all are some Googling folks, right? <laughs> and so, slowly, at first, I was opposed to it. But then I realized, no, this is a good thing. Instead of them emailing me, we can all congregate here. So what I did was I went back to the challenge and I infused a group link to the daily task, like, hey, don't forget if you have questions, ask them here. Okay. And so at first, it was just me answering every single question and being transparent and speaking to them directly there. And then I started practicing other financial experts and they would come in and help me answer questions. Um, and before long, it was just, you knew you can ask a question and get an answer. And you knew that it was a place. I only have three rules. One, keep it, keep it financial. So it's just about personal finance. If you don't post about personal finance, we delete it. Two, um, keep it positive. So no negativity, no judgment. If you pass judgment or you're negative, not only do we delete what you said, but we also delete you. Mm-hmm. So we're really strict about that. Cause part it, keep it positive. And three, no soliciting, no selling, no self-promotion. So no, no, oh, my business, oh, my, no, we don't allow for that. You're not going to make money off of my hard work. Mm -hmm. That's one. And two, I've been in businesses where people start posting their businesses, and that's all you see. It's just a running thread of buy my thing, buy my thing. Mm -hmm. We're not having that.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: It's a a group of resources. And so I think what's made our group really stand out is that it's so resourceful. And we created an environment where you can share openly and you know and get help and the dream catchers are so helpful like we have lawyers in here I mean I've seen people say you know I'm leaving my husband he's abusive and he's taking all my money what can I do and I've seen people step up and say well I'm a lawyer girl call me I'll help you for free
1: you know people
2: post like you know I'm in a homeless shelter I'm not sure what to do and people will swoop in social workers will swoop in with here's some here's some uh, resources that you can call and you can call me for free Mm -hmm. and so what you find is that it's And that's what I wanted to cultivate. And to me, if that's what you want to cultivate, that's what you have to be. So I set the tone with always being gentle, open, and honest, and helpful. And as a result, not allowing anybody to be anything else but that. And so setting the tone for that um, allows other women, when they come in, and realize, like, okay, this is is the the tone for the group. And so people just, I mean, we have over 100,000. Of the 200,000 women that are signed up for the challenge, about half of them are part of the group. And we're really strict even now. We don't even let everybody into the group anymore. Like we used to just like, if you added your friend, we would let her come. Now we Mm -hmm. don't do that. If your friend wants to be a part of the group, she has to click the button herself. Yeah, That means she made a choice to be. And so that also helps to make sure that everyone is here, understands what we're about because uh, we make sure that everyone has to make a choice. So that's critical. Like I've seen people do this in their group and I don't, I get it because you want the numbers, but I've never done this. And I don't, in the end, I don't know that it's helpful, where people are like, add your friends. Let's get thousand people. So do numbers really matter if they don't move?
1: Right, and that's another. You, know, you know, that's the target audience thing again. It's like numbers don't matter if they're not about this challenge. If they're not interested in this content.
2: Exactly, because if you have you have twenty thousand people in your group, but then when you make a post or you go live. 12 people are watching because they don't know who you are because they've been added by random folks. Like, so how how is that? That's not real influence. Mm-hmm. So it's better to grow. To, if it's more slow, that's fine. It's better to grow slowly, but to, for people to actually be following and coming, you know, be...
1: We want to be a part of the movement versus them being randomly added by a friend, sister, cousin, you know? You got it. And one of the things I also like that you do is when you sign up for the Live Richer Challenge and you want to join the Facebook group, you have to answer a whole survey. I was like, wow, a whole survey. Yeah. I I've never answered a survey to join a Facebook group. Um, but yeah. it really makes sure the people who are joining are serious about this challenge.
2: Exactly. Because I'm like, because before we would, get, we would get people who would come and be like, what's this group about? Or come in and post their a business. And it was because they didn't get, so I'm like, you know what, if you want to join this challenge, this group, it asks you just some simple questions. Yes, I understand I'm not allowed to post, you know, sell some, or, um, you know, sell my product or be self-promotional. Yes, I understand I have to post financial things. Yes, I understand understand I have to be positive it's a a simple survey but what it does it puts you on alert to this is what we're about so it helps to cut down we have over 100,000 members I cannot we can't chase every comment every post if I can get you before you come in and set the tone right then and people still we get flooded you know every day like you know it doesn't slow down our traffic I'm sure we I could probably have two a quarter of a million people Mm -hmm. but I quarter of a million people who don't get it or a hundred thousand who get it you know
1: yep yep So, you know, I have two more questions for you before we hop into the lightning round. I feel like I could talk to you all day, but we're going to reel it in. (laughs) So two things. One, talk to us a a little bit about the actual process of becoming a published author. Now you self-published, you're on Amazon. Did you just, you know, create it yourself, create your own um, book in like a Canva resource and then upload it to Amazon? How did that work?
2: So what I did was I wrote it. First and foremost, you know, like I, I, I organize it. So if you're writing like a self-help book or whatever, you have to figure out what is your organization going to be. And what I just did was I went to self-help books, like because I knew my book was going to be like a, a guide. So I went to like, the bookstore, Barnes and Nobles, and I pulled out some self-help books and guides. And I saw how do they organize it? Start with the quote, then the chapter, then the this. And so literally I organized my book. In a way that made sense and then i filled it in with my words so that was one like getting your book organized in a way that people are used to reading the genre of your book so that's one two once i wrote it i I found a designer so i would not suggest designing it yourself unless you you know how to design you don't have to you know be a whole student but somebody who knows how to do graphic design and to organize the inside of the book the way you want it to be organized and be clear like, like there's nothing worse to a designer and having to design something, and you don't know what you want, so they don't know what you want. Go get a book that you like the way it looks on the inside and take pictures of the title page, the chapter page, or page, take pictures and say, just like this. Make it super easy, so that way they're like, oh, okay, I got it, except for with your words or with your like styling or whatever. But for the most part, I mean, books are pretty much the same on the inside. Go find an inside that you like and just do that. And okay. then, two, same thing with the cover. You know, find a cover that you like, a, a few covers, and let them do a montage of kind of like what you like. So find a designer to do that for you, and then I use something called Create Space, that is Amazon's self-publishing arm. So Create Space, what's dope about it is that it's free. Here's why: because Create Space does not carry any inventory for you. Mm-hmm. So what you do with Create Space is that you upload your book that your designer has made, or you have them upload. That's what I did to the Create Space. Platform platform and once it's accepted you can click go live and then within like i think basically that day it's on amazon and also it's on create spaces platform mm-hmm. and then what you just do is you just you share your link you know you share your amazon link. my book is on amazon here you can come buy it and so that's why it's important to build a, um, an audience so that way people are, are wanting your book it comes out and letting them know months 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 in advance before it comes out that it's coming out You're, you should you have to think about like your book is like a movie. There's like a movie premiere. There's like dropping all these little hints that it's coming. So that way like, when it finally comes out, people rush to go get it. Yeah. But yeah, Create Space is
1: like it's is my favorite. That is a gem. I didn't know. I don't I think I've heard about it, but haven't really explored Create Space. So thank you for sharing that. So now that you've grown from a local, like a small local resource to this international brand, what has changed in your business since you first got started?
2: Um, so much has changed. I have help now. I have a uh, a partner that, that does most of my marketing and we do like a lot of social media marketing like Facebook ads and stuff so I was just looking at it. I, like I was on my phone today and my ad popped up I was like oh look at that and I realized we have a million views because mm. it's a video and I was like yeah he's, he's dope my marketing partner and then also too I've got a COO Sierra she started off as my intern and she moved up and now she's my COO Um, I have like four admins. I have social media admin. I have a personal admin and two admins for this online academy I created called the Live Richer Academy. Mm -hmm. So the Live Richer Academy is an extension of the challenge in that it's next level. So I have uh, financial experts from around the country teaching next level courses in the academy. And what they do is they um, they're teaching stuff like like taxes and how to start a business and stuff like that. And it's like 12 bucks a month. So people register. We have about 4,500 students and they pay 12 bucks a month to have access to this next level courses. Um, And that's like, like a big, you know, that's huge. You do the math, 4,500 times 12, you know, and how much that is a month bringing in. Wow. And so, you know, so it's, but I wouldn't be be able to do like have that academy if I did not create this challenge that was free. So yeah, so much has changed. I mean, we've, you know, our income obviously has Changed tremendously. by By this time next year, I anticipate we'll be a million dollar a year company
1: mm-hmm. at minimum.
2: Um, yeah, but I mean, but so much has also stayed the same. I still work in my PJs at home mostly.
1: <laughs> you know, yes.
2: like right now, I'm in with my PJs, like sitting on the bed, talking on the phone. This is like work, you know. And then after yes. this, I'll do some emails. I like literally just finished making
1: breakfast before I started this call. And so, yeah. Yeah, that is awesome. The freedom. Okay. So before we go, we're going to jump into the lightning round. So that's when I ask uh, you five hot topic questions and you answer the first thing that comes to mind. You ready? Mm-hmm. All right. Number one, what's a resource that has helped you in your business that you can share with the Side Hustle Pro audience?
2: My favorite is canva c-a-n-v-a i love it because i used to pay graphic designers to do the smallest little thing because i don't know how to use social like graphic design and whatever programs but canva allowed me to do basic and cool funky graphic design for myself
1: without having to pay for it. it's free awesome well and number two how do you define success
2: i define success as actually deciding what it is you want your life to look like and living that life. So not money, not this, not that, no, but saying, I want to be a teacher, and hey, you're a teacher. Or I want to travel more, and you're actually traveling more. So success is making a conscious choice, your decision of how you want your life to look and actually living that life that you've outlined.
1: All right. Number three, who inspires you and why? Who inspires me? My father. So he, from
2: just teaching me about personal finance but he came from really humble beginnings in Nigeria and rural Nigeria um and to come from that to America I have his master's degree his bachelor's degree him and my mom raising two girls five, two five girls successfully all of us have our degrees I have my master's my two of my other sisters have their master's and like just so just watching that especially my father just navigate
1: and to do so well and making a way where there was no way hmm. number four How does one break into and stand out in the personal finance space?
2: So you break into by sharing the knowledge that you have openly and generously. And you stand out by doing so consistently and doing so transparently. Like I said, nobody wants a guru anywhere. They're looking for a girlfriend. But finding your voice, like if you try to mimic and do it how I do it, no one can be more Tiffany than Tiffany. So you will always fail. Mm-hmm. So it would, if I try, and I've tried this before, if I try to say like, oh, I like the way she does it, let me do it like that. I fail because that's not me. So instead, the budget needs is literally the essence of me boiled down into the one particular trait and characteristics. And, and so that's what people are seeing. So um, it's really critical that you're consistent and that you are transparent and that you are yourself. That's how you stand out that those who want to hear from you will be looking for you, not for, you know, a version of someone else that you're trying to make you.
1: Number five, as the budget Nista, what's your parting advice for fellow women entrepreneurs who want to be their own boss, but are worried about losing that steady paycheck?
2: I say this, um, save, 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 at least for a year until you make the leap. And then even when you make the leap, don't make the full, complete leap. Like make a half leap. Start working at the mall on the side or babysitting or whatever. Like in the beginning, you're not gonna make any money. I mean, some people are lucky enough that they do and that's great. But for the average entrepreneur, it's gonna take a few years. So being an entrepreneur doesn't mean that you don't work anyplace else. It just means that wherever you work still allows for you to work on your business. And so, like I said, I tutored, I babysat, I did all these things on the side until the money was enough. So, you know, if, if, you're, if you, your full-time job does not, not allow for you to do stuff on the side, then, then, you know, if you're wanting to make a transition, make a half transition into, like, something on the side that you can do so that way you can pursue um, your other stuff without having to worry about, like, you know, making payments and stuff. So simplify your life, spend less money on things that don't matter so that way you, have, you don't have to spend as much money running your life and you can put that excess money into your business too.
1: All right. I love that advice. You are essentially talking to the side hustle pro in me because I'm a big believer in side hustling before you make the full leap. And that's why we started this podcast. So I'm glad you agree with that uh, strategy. So finally, what's next for Tiffany? And then what's the best way for us to connect with you after this episode? So what's
2: next for me is, I'm still trying to figure out. Honestly, I've learned that to not make huge plans instead just to be intentional that i want to continue to grow i've written a children's book so i'm looking for an illustrator for that um we're starting to take be more um really just structured about the women who don't live in new jersey as far as uh the dream catchers so we're starting something called dream catcher chapters where we'll have chapters nationwide of women who meet together monthly to work on their finances um um, yeah hopefully marriage baby i don't know just like regular life because, you know, The Budget Nista is not my complete story and picture. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I want to make sure that although I love it, it's not the only thing that I love. Um, and so not losing track of that. And you can find me at The Budget Nista on everything, on Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. That's critical, too. Like, if your name is The Budget Nista Girl on Twitter and The Budget Nista, yeah, you know what I mean, on Facebook, it's going to be hard for people to find you. <laughs> Try to find a name that you can get on every platform. So, I'm the budgetista on every platform and also thebudgetista.com. All
1: right. Um, so, thank you so much for joining us in the guest chair today, Tiffany. It has been wonderful. Um, we are so glad to have had all this wisdom that you shared with us. Thank you. I had a good time, Nikki. Yay. All right. And there you have it. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to Side Hustle Pro. If you want to hear more from me, head on over to SideHustlePro.co forward slash SideHustleCorner to get my weekly Side Hustle Diaries chronicles about my own journey from passion project to profitable business. And if you want to find me online, I'm at sidehustlepro